Welcome to episode 129 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Brian Jackson. This episode, we hung out with Claudio Guglieri. He's a super talented designer, spent some time at Fantasy Interactive. Now he's working at Elephant and he's super talented. He's super nice guy. We just met him recently. The but, nicest But we've guy. had a bunch of people recommend that we have him on the show. So glad we finally got a chance to. And this was one of those episodes where like everything just clicked right away. Like we started recording and just got directly into the conversation kind of by mistake. It was really fun. It's really smooth. It's, he's so smart and so much fun to talk to. So we hope you have fun listening to let us know what you think on Twitter. We're at design details FM or hit us up in our Slack team at spec.fm slash Slack. Before we get into the conversation though, we want to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible. This episode, that's Wayno. Hey! Hey, Wayno is an amazing agency here in San Francisco with offices in New York and Iceland doing radical work for some really great clients. They are truly fantastic. Uh, actually, Claudio has worked with them on like Baloney Planet and stuff, which that work is amazing. And our episode on Monday featured Ben Mingo and Al Ingram, who both are designers there. We've really enjoyed getting to know their team, working with all of the designers there. They're building an incredible team, working with Hallie, who's supported the show for so long. Uh, and they are sponsoring because they want you to know that they're around. They want you to just check out their work. And go, go work for them. Go work for them. Yeah, they're uh, amazing. They are hiring designers. If you go to their website, ueno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O, click the careers link in the header, and then tell them that we sent you. Uh, of course, if you're in San Francisco or the Bay Area, come hang out with us on Friday evenings at their happy hour. They usually tweet out their guests and uh, ticket links midway through the week uh, on their Twitter, twitter.com slash wayno.co spelled out. They've had a lot of our previous guests, some that we've talked to about coming on the show later. They had Helena Price. They've had Champori Rith. We actually did one, which was super fun. Uh, there's like, like a special guest every week and it's awesome. So again, go to wayno.co, U-E-N-O.co. Check out their work. If you want a new job, go work for them. They're hiring the best in the industry. They're really the best. They are the best. They would be the best place to learn possible. They're hiring junior designers. They're hiring interns in New York, Iceland, and San Francisco. And of course, say hi. Thanks again to Wayno for sponsoring the show. We really appreciate it. And with that, let's get into episode 129 with Claudio Guglieri. My name is Claudio Guglieri. I'm a Spanish uh, designer. Uh, based in San Francisco, and I currently work for Elephant. Um, and in the past, I were at several different agencies, and I also freelance in the Bay Area. What do you do when you're not working? Hmm. So I do work a lot. So even though when I'm not <laughs> uh, working, sleep, I'm, eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, back in the days, I would say I play video games. Um, I try and get some like outdoorsy stuff. Um, but now I have a son, he's two years old. So any time that I have out of work and out of like my own work, I just spend it with him. They say that parenting is is a design challenge. Who said that? The internet. <laughs> I actually can Which see that. Which internet are you on? <laughs> the same one as you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Dribble Parents Edition. Yeah. <laughs> Dribble Parents Edition. You buy it. Um, I, I buy that. I think it's it's crazy. You know, it's crazy to see how little actions over time are defining this person. That's weird. It's so weird (laughs) because you don't know, right? But I mean, we're doing that every day with our partners and whatnot, right? Like we don't plan how we are, but you have to plan a little bit how you are with your kid. What's the user experience of this human's life? Right, like, you know, if you use your phone with them all the time. So this is something that has been bugging me a lot. 
um, where I use my phone at home. And, you know, then I look at him. He has no phone. He has nothing. What to a little loser. <laughs> he doesn't even have a smartphone. <laughs> More like loser experience. <laughs> so we were in the bar uh, last week coming back from Seattle. And, you know, this moment after the flight, we're just looking at the phone. And I look at him and he's looking at us like, what's up? You know, I'm, I'm here trapping this train with you guys. And you guys are looking at your fucking phone. Like, just pay some attention to me. Um, and I was like, wow, yeah, the little things. So anyway, getting back to your design challenge, I can see that happening. Like, Do you think he's actually upset or is he just like, oh, hey, this is how things are? I think he's, this is how things are. Um, because see, he, training. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like, he has his own tablet. He plays with our phone. So like, we, you know, we're not the type of people that we're like, oh, don't touch that. No, like. Entitled little millennial. He's done it all, but <laughs> the the fun part is like he learned how to use the phone. He knows how to find apps and play with them. Uh, he doesn't want to do it anymore. Ooh. Now he's like, I'm over it. So he, I would rather play with my train made of wood, and that's all he wants. Wow, that's interesting, right? Like it's I I found many people like concerned about like oh kids in the future. No, they're like fuck that. I play with it. I would rather play with my train. I like his style. Trains are cool. <laughs> I like that style as well because you hear of, you know, elementary school kids getting iPads. Right. And maybe it's just as weird because we didn't have that same experience, but it's like, that's all they're going to know. I had like Windows 311. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, dude. <laughs> I, I think we are the generation that got stuck on um, at being fascinated by technology. We're the first ones who had it like that early, right? Right. And now we're like, how cool is this? The new one is coming out. But I think the new generation is going to be like, yeah, yeah, it's coming out, whatever. That's the thing my parents do. <laughs> Maybe we're coming back to it. The new <laughs> one is coming out. <laughs> well, we've got the paleo diet. We're just going back to Stone Age technology. Bucket, we, we got the wheel. That's good enough. That is so interesting. Yeah. So what I do after work is basically play with this guy. Uh, which is a lot about making train tracks. Uh, yeah. That's fun. Um, running after him and uh, hiding myself and then showing up. Really complicated stuff. Really <laughs> so basically <laughs> design <throwing> manager. <laughs> design manager. <laughs> I hide and then I show up. <laughs> I just hover over his shoulder <laughs> and watch him design train tracks. Nope. That should be two train tracks to the left. <laughs> At a drop shadow. Uh you're from Spain. Correct. You know, I, in a couple of meetings where we have like a lot of people, um, you know, attending the meeting and it's like a deep America type of meeting. I will just say it like, you know, just, hey guys, just to get it out of the way, I'm from Spain. So, you know, don't, don't wonder. Don't this, be surprised. Don't, don't be surprised. So, you know, and what I would what say is What does deep like, America mean? Oh, you know, oh man. <laughs> You're about to get yourself in trouble. Deep <laughs> No, it's just like, you know, I think San Francisco is a pretty international environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people in San Francisco are used to deal with, it's like a melting pot a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. um, so is New York. But, very diverse. Um, yeah, like in some of the parts, it's, I mean, just like if you go to Spain, like they're just not deal to or used to deal with an international environment. Um, in those environments, an accent might stand out. Yeah, like you guys. <laughs> um, and uh, what I was going to say is like, uh, sometimes you get, this is a concept that I talk to some friends, um, you get this foreigner pass. 
it's okay that you say things that are like slightly inappropriate because you have an accent. <laughs> you, have, you don't know what I'm talking <laughs> oh, about. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. You're like, did, did oh, you say this that? Guy, he, he must just not know. <laughs> um, Do you ever abuse that? Um, yeah. Yeah? A couple of times. Actually, today I did it. <gasps> um, Can you tell a story? Uh, I just... <laughs> You know, I I had like a strong word and I drop it out there and then I apologize right away. And <laughs> it wasn't the strong word that kind of like made the point. It was the fact that I was apologizing for it. So it was like, <laughs> uh, basically like, you know, it, it was like a, almost like a technique to break the ice when mm -hmm. you're like presenting something to a bunch of people. Yeah. This brings me to something really interesting that I discovered about you when we went for coffee. Okay. This photo of broken ice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought you had digitally created that. Because it's over type. And I was like, oh, shit, he must have done this in Photoshop. That's not the case. You were, yeah, you're like, how? I was like, what the fuck? Photoshop filters uh, oh. ice. <laughs> well, okay, so. What's the story? Because I was looking at that today. I didn't even. Yeah, so um, as I was telling you guys, like I've been, again, working with creating websites, whatever, for like many, many years. And, you know, in especially when I joined Finance and Chakti in 2010, everything was about, you know, do it yourself. Um, so like, you know, we did this website for, it was like some sort of like Google security thing. And I was like, oh, I need to use a Nexus phone. I'm going to draw it. And I drew the, the whole phone and, you know, like gradients and whatnot. And it was amazing. But I, I realized over time that we're overusing, or designers are overusing this whole creative market assets bundle that you can buy for $30 mm -hmm. and then you have like all the iPhones. People actually buy those? Well, yeah. Some people do. I saw, I got some for free. I guess they're making money well, I somewhere. I guess you're about to make a point about it. Yeah. So the, the point is can I actually should we go back to the origin? Should we go back to create our own assets? Let's stop getting this diversity hand from Facebook and you know stealing phones from Remotion or whatever and why this don't we really actually This is to me. Wait, why? My first why don't we create our own assets? Why? Why would you want to create your own assets? We have this conversation all the time. You're like, why are you fucking drawing icons again? I'm so shocked. No, why no, not? no. I you bring, mean them differently? I bring issue with the stage at the project with at which you design icons, but you proved me wrong because you explained that I didn't understand fully. I mean, I'm torn. I see both sides. On the one okay. hand, I think if our job is to communicate and solve problems for people, maybe I'm coming out with like this utilitarian product perspective of right. Well, reuse, think, reuse, use what's familiar, use what's going to be understood quickly. Well, you, the user is familiar with the metaphors, mm -hmm. right? So if you talk about payment, there are like three go-to metaphors, right? So like, is it there bills, uh, coins or credit cards? Money bags? <laughs> well, money bags. <laughs> money yeah. Um, but the execution of it, it can be different. So this comes back to what it means to be a designer and want to, you know, want to put your stamp on it. Do you want to be the one that took somebody else's icons and put in your design and ship it? Or do you want to be the one that can look back at that design and say, you know that icon? I made that one. Even if it's bad, I feel a much stronger sense of ownership over it. My first job yeah. out here in the city, the first thing you taught me is like, no, no, no. You're drawing your own icons. That's how it's going to work. And I was like, oh, okay. I'd never thought about that before. I didn't know I could. Oh, man. I get it. But at the same time, probably a slightly larger percentage of who I am would be like what solves the problem faster for people. A navy blue right. shirt and black jeans. Yeah. 
So in many cases, if you need icons for a specific purpose, yeah, you should make them. Maybe icons are a bad example, but okay. Let's talk about an illustration that is going to open, like a phone asset. Like, like why? Why would you ever recreate an iPhone six from scratch? Well, I've never I, not done that I, either. <laughs> I always start with new devices. Why? Because it's so much fun, but it's a waste of time. Okay, you're making a point. The icon has like a new uh, utility of, to it, right? Yeah. And is conveying a message. And you're not only grabbing or like holding yourself to the metaphor, but you're holding yourself to the execution of it because you're saying like, oh, if it is done, why do it again? But let's think about an iPhone, right? Like if you're trying to use an iPhone to illustrate an iPhone, I mean, that's great. But if you're trying to use an iPhone to define, you know, the core value of your company and that's what everybody's going to see when they come to your website, do you want them to look at your iPhone and say, oh, they stole the asset from apple.com? I don't think anybody would know. Dude, so... But you will know. <laughs> that's There you go. Do you guys both know Gabe Valdivia? Yeah. He, uh, he put out a hand, mm-hmm. his fiance Casey's hand holding an iPhone. Mm-hmm. This thing went nuts. There's a billboard right outside her window that used to have her hand on it. Oh my God. Like, I saw her hand everywhere. But if I was going to do a device in a hand, I would go shoot a photo of a device in a hand. Yeah. So are you? Are we just relying on the Apples and the Facebooks to take original assets now? And then everybody else would just like... All this it makes sense for Brian. Brian works at Facebook. <laughs> yeah, is that, maybe, is that why you tell the very tainted perspective? Those are in-house assets for you. They technically right. are in-house assets, uh, and you have in-house devices. You know, I get your point. I feel like this even reminds me of the whole Bootstrap argument. Uh, Twitter Bootstrap is exactly. if you design your website with Twitter Bootstrap, and you're designing for an audience that is generally outside of tech, nobody will ever know that it's Bootstrap. Correct. So. If you can use Bootstrap in that environment to solve the problem faster, validate your idea faster, why not do it? And that's kind of the point of it, right? But then someone in tech sees it and they say, ah, it's just another Bootstrap using copycat. So I'm going to say something that it sounds really bad. Perfect. Let's do it. A part of me doesn't care about whoever is going to consume whatever I create. I I don't care. I want to create something that is beautifully crafted, something that I feel I have ownership over it. And and I want to go to bed thinking that I've done something that I'm proud of. It's about solving problems, yes, but they... It's pride in the craft. It's pride in the craft. Totally. And um, yeah, and that goes through, you know, it includes creating your own icons. It, incl- it includes like... Um, coming up with a new angle for the iPhone, if that's what you have to use. Um, and I think that maps back to Apple. Like, oh yeah, they have the iPhone, but in every single release, they're putting crazy angles in there. And everybody's stealing those because we're like a bunch of lazy bastards. But you're right, the user will never know. So is that is that enough? If you know it? I think it's knowing when is the right time for which. That's I correct. don't think it's black and white. Right. I think that you can be a person who respects the craft, and know when's the right time and place to reuse versus right. create from scratch. And, and if you're I, trying and I, to, I happen to be a person who leans more towards on fragmentism it. is a value for yeah, sure. Yeah. So you want to get something faster. out. Um, you're trying to get your point across. You're not judging design at that point. You're judging the idea. That's the point for it. Let's make it scrappy, sell it. But then when you get to create that for real, well, talk to me a little bit about 
I mean, even taking that to an extreme level is your own website. Right. The craft on your own personal website is like nothing that m- any designer really does. Are very few designers put that amount of that I've seen have put that amount of effort. It's a high amount of detail. That's awesome. It's crazy. Thank you. Why why do you do that? Why do you put so much time into your personal portfolio if I don't know. I I, 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 I kind of know the answer, but I want to like hear hear sure. what you think about when you're doing that. Um you know, like I've done so many portfolios in through the years, it's crazy. Like I started I stopped putting versions to it because it was just like you know, it's like having an iPhone, iPhone 14, 20. <laughs> right? Like it wouldn't be iPhone 14, it would be iPhone XYZ 2. So when I when I think about my own website, I think it's more like it's a little bit of, um, I'm trying to create an umbrella. Um, so like if you look at my website, you'll see that I have no case studies. You know, I've done that so many times that uh, right now I don't need to do it. And I know some people when, you know, judging a designer, they want to see the case studies or not. Um, don't have time for that. Um, so I'm just creating a system that I can I can expand. Um, so every time I have a new project, I have a new slide. Uh, there's like a full screen slide with this image in the background that you know I spend some time crafting. Um, and then what I'm doing every month, which is I think where you're coming from, is I'm writing a new article, right? And I'm putting that as the front page of my site. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I'm I'm not good at writing. I'm really bad at writing. It takes me forever to write those four paragraphs. Um, and then, you know, my wife, she goes over it and makes sure everything sounds like decent. Um, but it was like a new year resolution. Um, let's try to get better at writing. I feel like the better you can communicate your ideas, the better you can sell them. And then, you know, the asset in the front, like I did ice, I did flowers, um, I had some like motion to it. Uh was more like, I'm tired of drawing in Photoshop. What if I can take pictures? Flowers is what I had, you know, close to home. We had this uh, Sprouts supermarket and I went out and saw a bunch of like tacky flowers. Like, let's do this. Um, I've done ice. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I, the next article, I want to write about what is the point of interviewing a designer. That's, that's what I'm... For a job? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Do you want to give a sneak peek? Sure. Um, I think when I when I I've been through the process on both sides, right? I've been the person interview and I've been um, the one that is looking for a job, and um, I met people that are really into the bad cop uh, role, and it's a horrible experience for whoever is on the other side. Um, so I don't know how it works in every single company, but you know when I interview somebody, it's because I really like their work. Um, Versus some of the interviews where they actually, they try to, you know, to trip you. They try, try to and like, set traps. Yeah, like, you know, you hear many engineers, they go to Google and say, oh, I failed the interview. It's like, hold on, they know your work. Like, to me, I'll say this. Uh, when I interview somebody, I just want to see if they're crazy and if they know how to speak and communicate whatever they want to say. Low bar. <laughs> no, well, I think you're, you're saying because by that point, you've already vetted the work. Exactly. I don't need to, and you know, I want to talk to them and and see what what is it that they enjoy from their work. Um, so you know, you putting a bunch of banners in your portfolio is that because you love banners? Yes, I love banners. <laughs> or or maybe they're like, I don't know, it's just what I've done. It's like, is that what you want to do? One thing we've been talking about recently is the practice of bringing designers on site for 
a week, two weeks, three weeks, and having them actually do work before you hire them, have that be part of the interview process? Hmm. That's interesting. Are you paying for that? Yes. Yep. I actually think that is really nice. If you are, you know, giving them a, the salary of a week, I think that's amazing. It's always, it's really hard to, you know, just based on an interview and like going around the, the company that you're going to love that company. It's, you know, there's so many different factors that build up to loving your workplace and you can just judge that based on an interview. Um, yeah, so I, I actually, I've never seen that before, but I think I would love to even do that myself. You know, if I could go to SpaceX and we're there for like a month, say so like, yeah, that'd be pretty rad. That'd be super awesome. <laughs> is that your dream job? Um, no. What is your dream job? I think my dream job is to, you know, be able to be hands-on. I want to be a designer, mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I want to work with a team and I want to be able to nurture the culture of design around a team. So the problem with the industry, at least on the agency world, is like the higher you go, like I'm, my role is now career direction. I rarely go, you know, go down to design. I talk to the designers. I, you know, I, I direct them. I, I help them, but I don't do it myself. And I think the sweet spot would be to be able to lead by example. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sometimes you run and sometimes you write, but it's a little bit of like back and forth instead of like, just trust me because I'm your career director. Yeah. I don't want to skip too far ahead because I'm still interested in the interview thing. Okay. Uh, so you're going to write about interviewing designers. Yes. What do you look for when you're vetting someone's work before you even do that interview where you make sure that they can talk, they're not crazy. How do you, what's that vetting process like for you beforehand? Um, that's a really good point. Um, it's a really good question. I, it's really straightforward. I just look at their portfolio, but beyond the portfolio, I look at people that are somehow passionate and passion comes through, um, you know, through their work in their portfolio, but it also comes from their presence online. So for instance, I, some great designers are like, they're not really into social media and they're not really like sharing anything. That to me, not saying there's something wrong with that, but I, I wanna work with people that are excited to, to share and be active members of the community. Um, Do you think that excludes people that work at an Apple or Tesla or SpaceX who hmm, I see where you're going are from. really constrained, right? Right. Um, Maybe a little bit, but uh, honestly, like, I think if you are that committed to your craft, in one way or another, it's gonna come out. Um, so, you know, I'll use myself as an example. Like, I haven't posted anything on my website or Dribbble that I've done myself for my company in a couple of years. But I still, well, that's not true. I posted this Lonely Planet thing, but beyond Lonely Planet, everything else has been like a self-initiated exercise. So like, I, I want to believe when you look at someone else's portfolio, it's like, oh, I don't know what this person has been doing at SpaceX, but oh man, he's part of the framer community. He's really active on Twitter. He's really active on Dribbble. I can already see the personality of that person. When you're looking at a portfolio, is that, are you looking for case studies? Are you looking for written sort of walkthroughs of how people solve problems and how they think about design? Or are you looking just purely at 
here's the final product of what someone can make? It depends on the role. Um, I talk to some people um, that really care about the case study, really care about like, I want to know where you're coming from. I want to know, you know, the rationale. I, I care about that, but um, I do believe that that's something you can learn. I, I, I guess I care about the execution a lot. So I need to be able to do like a 30 seconds pass and say, oh, wow. You know, maybe it's not the iconography, maybe it's not the typography, but maybe it's the, you know, the use of color that I'm like, there's a lot of potential in there. Or maybe it's the, you know, that would be for like a really junior out of school designer. But if I'm judging like someone for like a more senior position, it would be more like the flexibility and the variety of um, their execution, meaning how they're approaching different problems and how much range of, you know, I guess execution they can apply to those problems. We're kind of working our way in and out. Let's so do it. you're you're doing this monthly article on your blog? Yes. You're trying to get better at writing. What's been the feedback and an outcome? So that's that's something that I actually um I committed to not care about this year. And uh you know, I think you know, even myself. Do like, you truly not care? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get real. Let's get real. Um over the years, I really care about what people will think. And, you know, you put something on Dribble, and then you go to bed, you wake up. Oh, my God, nobody liked this thing. Delete. <laughs> delete. <laughs> remove. Is change. that a thing people do? Uh, I don't delete anything. But No, I've just heard. <laughs> I just, <laughs> no, I've, just, I've just heard other people do that. <clears throat> so, oh, yeah. So, like, you know, I, I did care about that for a long time. And, you know, I, I care, of course. But I, I try not to get that, you know, that obsessed and i know it sounds a little bit douchey like i don't care what people think but i don't think that Does sounds that douchey? Sound douchey no i don't think that sounds douchey well i don't know i think it sounds a little bit douchey but i i'm trying to not care i think that sounds like someone who has enough experience to know that it a it doesn't really matter and has the self-awareness to be like i'm doing this for myself not for you that's how it comes across to me i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah but the response has been you know not great you know not not thousands of views uh, or anything. I, I saw the analytics, so every time I put it out, I'm getting more traffic, but nothing, honestly, like nothing um, substantial or no, you know, no no leads to, to future projects out of those articles. It's more like, you know, like some peers who say like, oh, you should read this. And I'm like, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. And you mentioned something about your work on Dribble, which I hadn't even thought thought about because I looked through everything. You said it's stuff you do on the side, stuff right. outside of work. Yeah. How do you come up with the ideas of what to work on? Oh, well, it's, uh, I used to be, so we haven't, I haven't told you like anything other than I'm from Spain, but I used to be a- Wait, you're from Spain? I'm from Spain. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a, um, back in the days, I used to be a Flash developer. Um, so when I started, you know, it was Micromedia Flash um, and out of need and, you know, looking for a job, whatnot, like everybody, you know, Spain is a forever up and coming industry. So it never, it never arrived, but it's been up and coming for a long time. Uh, so they basically, they look for like one, one man army type of people. Um, so I will do the development. I will do the design. You're an armada unto yourself. Right. But I, I had to stop. Right. So when I moved to New York, um, to to work at Finance Interactive, I I told them like, hey, you know, I do also Action Script three. They're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, you know, it felt like, you know, you needed to be in a specific kind of like 
uh, role, and, and that was it. So I haven't, you know, I never did the transition to HTML. I, like I know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript a little bit, but I I'm not able to put a decent website together in that sense. It would be a disaster. Uh, but anyway, how do I come up with ideas? Yeah. Um, just because of my background in coding, I really I'm embracing Framer a lot. So like I did a little bit of exploration on different prototyping tools and. I decided this is the one that I want to spend some energy on. And um, I've been like coming up with, you know, interactions and things that I think are. Yeah, all your recent stuff's motion. Yeah, all yeah. the motion. I don't do motion. Everything that you see, it's a prototype. But incorporating motion into the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so I have this one right now that is, uh, I call it um, drag to selfie. It's like, what if you're a selfie lover and you could like drag your home screen to the left and that will take a selfie? Uh, hopefully, I put it out at some point. You, you look amazed. <laughs> I am amazed. <laughs> Make that into an app. Drag the selfie. Like, soop, soop. done. It's not a bad idea. You should make that into an Apple iOS uh, 10 prototype video. No, they have the uh, push, and then you can slide down, and it takes a selfie. Wait, what? On the force touch. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. You Wait, push it on the photo app. From the home screen? Yeah, you push it on photos. No, 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 no. And then you can go to take selfie. He's saying like from the lock screen, right? You're saying yeah. from the lock screen. Mm-hmm. Launch a selfie from lock. But it's still, yeah, I I don't have the new the new iPhone, so I don't know what Force Touch is doing. Yeah, Force Touch is one of those things that it does a couple things really well. Hmm. But it's still very truthfully undiscoverable. Right. Not many people use it. Uh, oftentimes it's redundant and pointless, but there are some things that are really nice about it. So It's cool. It would be hard for me to go back to something without it now that's i think that's key when you cannot come back to the previous thing yeah and i think a lot of people are speculating whether apple will keep the force touch or 3d touch stuff because people aren't getting utility out of it but i'm getting some and i can't go back now so i don't know maybe they'll keep it i wonder if they will put it on the ipad so you have like your ipad on your stand and then you try to force touch and then you break the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) break it oh god uh um we should legitimately start from the beginning. Okay. So you're from Spain. Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> What's your name? What are you working on? Uh, you're from Spain. Yes. Um, How did you get into this whole crazy world? You said Spain's always been up and coming. Up and coming. Forever How up did, and coming. How'd you get ahead? Um, yeah. So I, I studied advertising back in, damn, 2000. I guess we had this website in my in my college, and you know this is back when Micromedia and everything had to be Flash. So we had a Flash website for my university, and I joined this group uh, that was this guy who was really good at using Flash. And I kind of like stuck around and kind of like became his friend, and he taught me a lot. Um, and right after that, I knew how to use Flash a little bit, so I got this internship using Flash, um, and then I got a job using Flash, and then. I quit. I I used my savings to buy a computer, my own computer, uh, my first laptop, and I went to the UK. So why I went, the UK? Well, I think that's that's the good thing about um, the good thing about Europe is that you can move around, yeah. right? So like the UK seems like the most um, international and probably you know the best country for the interactive industry that you can go in. In Europe, maybe maybe Germany now or Stockholm, but yeah, uh, you know, English. Uh, the country of Stockholm. 
sorry, Sweden. <laughs> Sweden. You know the country? We, we knew what you meant. We knew what you meant. Um, yeah, so I I spent three months in the UK. I learned some English. Um, came back. I decided I wanted to become a teacher. Um, so I started a PhD on fine arts. Um, but I needed money, and eventually I was running really a... Turns uh, out. <laughs> I had no money, um, and I was trying to do my PhD, so I got a job. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was like my first, like, you know, moment that I discovered like, oh, this could be a thing. You know, this is actually, uh, I could do this for a living. Maybe it's not about being a teacher, or I almost felt like I wouldn't be true to myself if I'm teaching something, if I haven't even experienced it myself. That's deep. Yeah. A lot of people um, go that route, right? Yeah. They go yeah. straight from school to academia. Can you believe that? Yeah. What is it that they're teaching? Book smarts. Right. But I, I guess it depends on the on the subject, right? So like, how could you teach design if you haven't designed anything apart from your the website of your university? <laughs> it was great, you guys. We worked on it for three months and we put it out there. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, the fundamentals, the... Objective truths, I don't know. Yeah, I felt like, and I guess this is the bottom line, like university or like in my experience in Spain at least, it gives you a framework uh, to think, but it doesn't give you the knowledge. The knowledge you get it from your experience moving on, moving forward. Um, yeah, so so that was fun. Um, I worked for a couple of years in, in this city that was in my hometown. So... Yeah, and then I moved to the UK, and you know I had, I didn't have anything on, on the UK necessarily. I have a friend that used that lives there, so I still lives there. Um, so I, I crashed in you know his couch for like a couple of weeks, uh, looking for a job. So you didn't even have a job. I did not have a job or a house or anything. Um, I slept in the ground for a couple of weeks. In the ground. In the ground, not even in the floor, in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I got a job. And um, it was funny because at that point, my, my college called me back to give a talk. And my talk to them, and this is a really important point, it was that, um, you know, I never won anything. You know, like you go through college, and I don't know if this is the case of you guys, but <laughs> you go through college and people will get like, oh, I got this internship in this amazing place. Like, and I'll be like, Oh, good for you. That's awesome. And then some other will be like, oh, I won this award and I got to go to this other place. And I, That's great. But I never won anything. So I figure like, oh, you know, should I just be depressed and kill myself and this is it? Or should I just go and look for a job and just, you know, find your way? And that was the talk you gave? Uh, yeah, that was like, and I, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, I said like, you know, some of you will never win an award. Some of you will never get that internship, but it's uh, it's up to you to go and find something that you like. You know what was the the response like? I feel like saying something like that to a bunch of young, bright-eyed people who think they will. What was the response? Um, uh, I think it resonated a lot with them because I mean, it's it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, who's getting that internship? Like three percent of five hundred people. Um, and that's a lot already. I said like one percent, five hundred people. So that's what I did myself. Um, and at some point in the UK, I had the opportunity to move to New York, and uh, I never thought about going to New York, but um, I said yes. And uh, yeah, 
You had a job when you moved to New York, sorry. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, you cannot. <laughs> that one was a little more planned <laughs> out. So you didn't sleep on the floor. Immigration alert. Right, right. <laughs> I took a boat. <laughs> Wait, actually? <laughs> no. Oh, that would uh, be amazing. That would be amazing. If you could take a boat and wear a hat, and whenever you see the Statue of Liberty, you take your hat off, you put it in your heart, and say, welcome to America. Everything is like sepia color. <laughs> 19th century. <laughs> what brought you to New York? Um, I started working at Finance Interactive. And that was, yeah, that was mainly it. Um, I worked at Finance Interactive for five years. So I live in New York for five years. Um, I had this, uh, I work at a different company for a year and a half, be real. Um, I thought for a little bit that I will enjoy doing more campaign related stuff. Uh, so for a year and a half, I did like some hardcore work on campaign. Um, but eventually I, I realized that kind of like what I enjoy as a designer, it wasn't that much about, you know, doing campaign for brands that you necessarily don't care about, um, but building something that, you know, will last longer. And so you do like product design. I do like product design. Yeah. But again, like you got to understand from an agency perspective, like whoever says that they're a product designer inside an agency is just not. Okay. It can be true. They're working on it for like a month and then it's over. So we had a lot of questions about what Fantasy Interactive was like. Well, I work on a lot of stuff. Um, Were there any projects that stood out to you? I, you know, it's funny because I had like experience on the execution and like the details, but I think working at Fantasy and, you know, working with a lot of talented people over there, like I learned to be, uh, you know, it's all about the endurance and how can you work on the same thing for three months or a month. Um, so I work on a lot of like heavy content sites, which is something that I, that I enjoyed. I worked on the first iteration of um, cnn.com slash video. I worked on a lot of Google projects. Um, the one that stood out for me was this one called Google Ramayana, which was a campaign to promote um, the use of Google Chrome in India and Thailand. So it was a little bit of like an epic story using HTML5, like animations and different windows. Uh, but I, I really enjoy it because it was like something that we did really close together with the developers, amazing dev team. Um, and I got to work with one of my favorite illustrators. Who is? Uh, Therese Larson. Okay. I haven't, I haven't talked to her in a really long time. And, but no, she's amazing. Um, I knew of her work through North Kingdom. You guys, North Kingdom? Nope. What? All right. What's North Kingdom? North Kingdom is one of the, the first um, digital agencies that, you know, did like many of the, like the most revolutionary campaigns out there. So this, this is sounds before our time. This is history we should know <laughs> that we don't know. It's, you know, it's so funny because if you go to New York, there's, uh, I think the background where everybody comes from is advertising. So whoever works on an interactive agency or digital agency, they will know. But I feel like San Francisco is all about this product or that product. Tech products. Yeah. Yeah. I admit I really don't know that much i'm you know you, you hear the big names but right you miss a lot of the historical context of how these things came to be which right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. You, so you were in uh to give you an example they they made the um, website of the hobbit hmm. uh, and that was like what like a couple of years ago uh this beautiful webgl map you know that you will dive into like specific scenes of the movie uh yeah anyway but this illustrator used to work in north kingdom so like we contacted her and she was like, oh yeah, I would love to do that. I yeah. Like, I really like your work. Let's do it. Um, what else? Then I did a lot of work for video streaming companies. So like 2012 was like 
the video streaming like freak out for everybody. Uh, they all wanted to like, you know, get the ad revenue out of video streaming. So we pitch a lot of businesses for, uh, you know, video streaming stuff like um, BBC. We did this one for Mega, yeah, Mega, oh, mega. mega Upload. Mega Upload. Thing. <laughs> Crazy. Just, just a pitch. Oh, uh, you didn't you didn't get the pitch or the you can get to work with Kim.com. No, I think no. What's he up to these days? I don't know. Being arrested. Is he in jail? I don't, I know. don't know. He had a lot of things seized. That's all I remember. Is Mega still a thing? It I don't still think exists. So. It exists. Does it? Mega.nz, I think. Wow. Do you guys use Mega Upload back in the day? No. God, no. No. <laughs> I've never used it. I just oh heard God. all the news stories. Man. It was really big in Europe. People in Europe loved it. I think there's something about piracy in Europe in general. <laughs> um, they don't like to pay for stuff. <laughs> That's fair to say. <laughs> I feel like it was definitely a thing. Like piracy in general is definitely a much more popular thing when I lived in the Midwest. And like mm-hmm. no one wanted to pay for anything. Uh-huh. For sure. Like that that mindset carries over. People are like, $20 for a movie? That's obscene. What is wrong with you? Who has that? <laughs> So we would pirate movies. My mindset's totally changed. Yeah. I guess it's from a position of being able to say like, yeah, I would love it. to pay a dollar for a song. Like that's, that's not fair. At, at some point it changes over from like the convenience outweighs the cost. Right. Right. And the risk of getting a virus. That's a matter of convenience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, oh man, back to high school, like buying these CDs with lots of games um, and then honestly, like you have to be like a software engineer to download and, you know, install the game. You have to like get into this specific file, change this line of code, come back, <laughs> crack it, create an yeah, image yeah. of the CD. You're like, oh my God, I just don't have the money. But if I would have the money, I would pay for it. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to do this shit again. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and then you never know if you'll like get to the end game and it'll just freeze up and be like, haha, you stole it. Right. And it's like, what can I do? I didn't pay for it. So <laughs> I guess they got me. You're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like with Spotify, especially, like, I used to have, yeah. like, you know, MP3s, whatnot. Like, I don't want to think about it. I would just want to pay for it. Were you a Kazaa person? I don't remember Kazaa. I was a Deezer person. Deezer. Ah, Deezer. Deezer. And Groove Shark. These are still around, right? Groove Shark, man. Groove Shark. They had some rad design. You I guys, really liked their visual style. Back you guys in the should day. talk to the co founder, John Ashenden. He's in San Francisco. Ashenden did that? Yeah. What? How did I not know that? You know him? I know who he is. Uh, Groove Shark was actually probably now that I think about it, one of the first web apps that I was like, "Holy shit! It looks pixels beautiful. are beautiful." Yeah, it was gorgeous, man. Yeah, we should definitely talk to him. <laughs> uh, so you were FI for five years. Five years. Um, yeah, a lot of video streaming, lots of travel. Man, like 2014 was the year of travel. I never done so many websites and so many pitches in my life for like airlines and you know um different clients like kayak or skyscanner or singapore airlines asian airlines uh that sign of kind of sounds like a dream yeah was it well you know it's a dream but at the same time it comes back to um how many concepts are you doing and what's becoming real so like after you've done seven and none of it is out there it's it's not that fun you yeah. lose the drive a little bit yeah you're you know you're proposing ideas and then you try to reinvent yourself but you're not you don't have any background or you don't have any any experience that is telling you that what you did was wrong 
Does it make sense? It does. Yeah, I'm gonna. That would be exhausting, I think. Yeah, I think users will love this. And then, hey, next month we have a new concept. Are users still loving this? I'm not sure anymore. Um, but with that said, I did a concept and this became uh, a thing. Uh, this is in New York. We call it Escape Flight. And the, I guess the reason why I'm like saying this is because actually we built it and people used it. Uh, it was all about, um, we'll give you a place to go next weekend. So let's forget about price as the only selling value or selling proposition. What if you could consider hassle, weather, themes, uh, and you say, oh, I want to go skiing. Um, I want to see places where I could go skiing and the weather is going to be good. Um, it did only work in Europe. And actually, it was only meant to work from London. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, imagine if you live in Seattle and you want to go to the beach. It's like, you got to fly for a while. But in Europe, you can be anywhere in like a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. So like, that made sense. And um, it was a great experience. It was great to get actually the you know, the real like feedback from the users. Did that make you want to keep working on it full time? Like on travel? Yeah. Like, is that something that you could have seen evolving into a product or as an outlet from the, the agency world? You know, like I feel like some designers, they kind of like find, find the theme they want to work on. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be all about, I don't know, you at Facebook. Like I do love Facebook. Facebook, the mission of Facebook is something I truly believe. Uh, All I want to work on is money from now on. All I want to do is make money. Right, like maybe that's it, right? And if you're clear on that, oh man, I'm I'm jealous because I'm not clear at all. Uh, like travel, I thought about it like, oh, is this something I should dedicate like maybe a couple of years? Um, but I didn't feel that passionate about travel. And, you know, like I've done projects for other shops in San Francisco, like, um, you know, Mixpanel, for example. And great, great people, really smart crew and really talented designers. But it came to a point where I had to like think about like, oh, I'm freelancing, but this, I have the potential to do this full time. Do I believe that, you know, mobile analytics is something that I can dedicate? You know, I can put my passion on forever or for a year. Uh, no, not quite. Uh, it's rough because working at an agency, you get used to work on so many different things that it's hard to envision yourself working just on one thing. Do you see that? Well, you ended up leaving mm -hmm. New York. You yes. came to San Francisco and jumped yeah. kind of into the same world, right? Back right. to the agency and you're also freelancing. So I, the story is I moved to San Francisco still with FI and I worked with them for in San Francisco for like a year. Um, and then that's when I quit. And then I started freelancing. Yeah. And um, I think the good thing about freelance is that you get a little bit of both. So you get um, you get to work on different stages of many different things. Um, I worked on pitches for some companies. Um, I worked on, you know, specific parts of a product for some others. And I worked like, you know, putting together the draft of, you know, what would be the beginning of a product, for example, like Lonely Planet. Um, that is not something that you get an at an agency because just the cost of hiring an agency full-time for like five months, it's crazy. Uh, but as a freelancer, you know, you're cheaper. So, and you know, you don't come through as a competitor. You're more like a helper. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you guys should try. You've been freelancing a little bit. I freelanced once back in the day and I just started doing some service for service work, which I find particularly fun because there's like very low pressure. 
It's just my chiropractor uh, decided to leave the company she was at and start her own firm. And she's like, hey, do you know any designers that could help me with this logo thing? <laughs> I'm like, that's going to cost you a lot of money. Do you want to trade like actual like... And then she sent me, uh, sorry, she sent me a Pinterest board. And I was like, oh man, this style is so cool. Like, I love what you're doing here. Let me take a stab at it. And she loved the result. So uh, she's like, well, what do I owe you? I'm like, do you want to trade like hours for hours? That's amazing though. It was great. And they're doing like- economy. I wish more people had that mindset about it. Like, I don't need $10,000. I need, like, let's just trade some services. I I, I I have fun doing it. So I have this like giant hunch in my back. Uh-huh. And so my back is like always super tight. Mm. So if I go visit her every couple of weeks, I feel great. That is great. Like imagine if we could expand that to other things. I guess the tough part is like, you know, the value of your work, mm-hmm. right? So how much are you paying this person versus how much are you expecting mm-hmm. to get paid yourself? Yeah. Well, see, what I know is that each session is like 15 minutes. So hour for hour... <laughs> I spend 15 minutes like every two weeks on her. I'm good. Like I am covered. Okay, that's great. That yeah. is good. So it takes 15 minutes to get you fixed. Yeah. And you're trading. Basically, you're working one hour a month to get four I work sessions. Uh, a lot less than an hour a month. Is she happy with I've spent work? a total of maybe like four hours on it so far. And she, yeah. That's amazing. Yep. So you're not really being truthful to the agreement. I spent like <laughs> so, so I you're spent a like liar. I spent like three hours on it up front, and then everything's like really simple. Like throw together a business card for us today. Yep. Okay, throw together a window wrap for us. Okay, like these are really simple things. Yeah, I I spent yeah a couple hours on the like original logo, and everything else is falling together. I showed them <laughs> a bunch of type options because I was trying to get away from like norm- my normal stuff. Mm-hmm. They went for my normal stuff. It's stuff I know. I'm like, all right, well, I guess this will be easy. <laughs> like, what were you trying that was out of your comfort zone? So I always fall into the same type of graphic options. Mm-hmm. Gotham, Knockout, Whitney. Right. So you're for like <laughs> right. the roundness, then the... Yep. And then the, the legible for the copy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. And I like showed them a bunch of other options. I was trying to get outside of it, trying to get away from H&FJ, right. trying to get away from like the standard stuff I always do. And they're like, no, that stuff is really great. I'm like... All right, cool. <laughs> it feels like the- I've seen that before. We should do it. My first ever branding project was all Gotham and Whitney. Mm. Oh my God. Then I had a knockout after that. My current app is Gotham and Knockout, or it was Gotham and Knockout, the first version. Now it's San Francisco and then condensed. Can you use San Francisco on a, like openly on your app? In our iOS version. iOS. Oh, I- so then uh, the Android version is Roboto. Right, right, right. And the web version is San Francisco or Roboto. Bird depending Hannah. on which computer you're on and then didn't condense as like a header. Nice. That's probably my favorite CSS tweak I've ever made uh-huh. was switching to system fonts, font family, system font, Roboto, sans serif. I just don't want Arial to ever show up. So I use Roboto in my like backup. But again, that's like my pragmatism. I feel like you, yours... <laughs> I look at your website, I'm like, I can never fucking do that type. I can never do it. There's like so much craft in it. Whereas I'm like, what's what solves this problem? System right. font. I know it's going to look great and native on any system. From like the first moment we started working together, I kept saying, oh my God, you're the most pragmatic designer I've ever met. And I meant that as a compliment. It's, now, it's a really cool thing. You build so much stuff so fast. Now I've gone overboard. <laughs> I, I need more <laughs> uniqueness. So, but Creativity. why don't you use your own website as your playground? I do, but I'm pragmatic with it. 
He doesn't use it for as a tight playground. It's a really pragmatic playground. I, I think San Francisco's a you beautiful type You should see him go crazy thing. on Drop Shadows. <laughs> really? Oh, man. Drop Shadows for days. Yes. What, how do you drop the shadows? Just straight down. Just straight down. <laughs> but sunlight comes from no the top. No shadows going up? There's, no, no shadows going up. That doesn't work. Lots of blur. There's a no there, spread. There's a easing curve on the on hovers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like little things are fun to play with. Yeah. Um, I built a little, uh, you know, like the old, or I guess it's the current, the Twitter heart thing that explodes. Right. I mean, I sort of, I mean, I did copy. Yeah, you straight up copied it. But I made it the like clapping hand emoji. So when uh-huh. you click it, it claps a little bit and then the little sparkles. Confetti's. Fly off of it. So why didn't you use the Twitter one if people recognize Someone it? Someone scripted that the first day, right? Like just to be clear. Oh yeah, yeah. So you had like thousands of claps. Yeah, it's it's uh. So I write these little blog posts. And you can clap on them, right? So right. It's like a like, but you can do it forever. But I was trying to get back to your oh. pragmatism and the oh. fact that people will recognize it. Why didn't you use the Twitter heart exploding? If people will know <laughs> it, because anyway. emojis are funnier. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Also, their heart icon's really bad and not pixel fitted, and it drives me insane. I just don't like hearting that much. I actually begged for the star before it went away. I it's like a strong the star. emotion. The heart is a strong emotion for a discussion platform like Twitter. People use it a lot more than the star, apparently. Yep. I it, 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 went, it went from favorites to likes, and it became a lot stronger. Right. I guess I always used the favoriting as a way to save tweets. Yep. And now I find myself sometimes like, I don't want to respond to this tweet. I just favor it. I use it as a nod. Yep. It's a nod. I saw this. Like, mm-hmm. I think most people do that. I feel like a dick sometimes when I do it because I'm like, I probably should respond to this, but I don't want to stop what I'm doing right now. I'll just be like, <laughs> nah, okay. Okay. Well, at least you know, it's positive. You're putting a heart on it. Tell me a little bit about your process. Maybe we can talk about a freelance project or even an old agency thing. What's your process to get to these polished, creative, um, really wonderful to use final products? We didn't talk about how you actually made that ice photo. How the hell do you do it? <laughs> Just talk. Yeah, I'm curious how you approach it's, um, approach a new thing. So I'm trying to get real on, on this playground that is my website. So I basically printed out the font, which is one of my favorite fonts called Publica. Um, and I put a bunch of ice on top. Uh, I had these lights. <laughs> it is, I, I wish I could convey this smile on your faces right now. <laughs> I love it. When you showed me a photo of the setup that you used to actually take the shot, I was just like, you what? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, didn't the, create that digitally? The, the problem with work, you know, obviously working with ice, you have a really s- short time frame. Yeah. So especially with the lights, it gets really hot. Um, so <laughs> I tried it many times. I tried different backgrounds, but yeah, like I. So I you just printed put, this out? Yeah. And I broke, I have this tray. I basically froze water, broke it, you know, make a composition out of it, um, and took a shot. And then, you know, there's a lot of photo retouching on it. Like the shot wasn't that good. But yeah, you basically try to blend the background to a flat color, and then, you know, that's the background of the page. You guys should try. It's nice to get out of the, again, the loop of creating assets on Photoshop. It's kind of mind-blowing. I was like, oh, of course he did in Photoshop. I don't know how he did in Photoshop, but of course he did that. But what's, nope. What, what was your process here? So the title is Don't Freeze Up. Like I can sort of map that. But how are you thinking about, okay, it's time to write a new article. It's right. time to try something new. Do you get outside in nature? Do you walk around and look for inspiration? Or do you just have a backlog of ideas? Like what's this like? It's a little bit of, um, to be honest with you, Don't Freeze Up came out of wanting to explore with ice. 
Um, oh, so, so you went the other way. I went the other way. The the previous article was called "What Makes You Special," and you know, as flowers. part of it, right? It was like two flowers that are really different. Um, the end of that article was a little bit about you know having self critique and being self aware of where you stand and you know what as a designer you can improve. Like for example, you were saying like, oh, I always use the same uh, typographic treatment. Mm -hmm. I I do that a lot too. So I'm just trying to get, you know, I, I'm aware of it. I'm just trying to get out of it. I always um, try to get out of that. It drives me insane. But it's like, man, I can make pretty decent compositions with this. Like, I can do it so quickly too. But then you see some other people doing something else and you're like, oh, there's something mind-blowing about how they're doing this then. Mm -hmm. um, I found that I have a bag of tricks. And, you know, I found that through other people, they would say, oh, that's your style. Or I feel like I've seen that before, and I'm like, oh, that that hurt me. It's like, man, am I just repeating myself? Uh, no, that is not pragmatic, and maybe I'm being really effective at communicating certain messages, but uh, especially for my website, I just wanted to try something new. This is really interesting. See, I, I, I feel bad now because I, I told Dan Petty the other day he had a style, and he was like, what? I have a style? You think he has a style? Yeah. Yeah. What's his style? Photos cut out on white with like a giant drop shadow. And big text. Yeah, <laughs> but that's now like b way before this drop shadows thing. He he used to do something else. Like he has these crazy globe Iron Man explorations. I think I admire anything that's not what I'm good at. <laughs> yeah, right, totally. And so I look at someone. It's comparative appreciation. Yeah, but it's me just acknowledging that I'm not good at, or I haven't taken the time to be good at certain things, like right. taking my own photos and putting them on my own website. Instead, I say, I don't know how to do that. Okay, what can I do in HTML and CSS? Because I know how to do that really, right. really fast. Oh, you have your tools. Yeah, I have my tools. And that's what's inspiring to me about looking at what you're doing is how do you get outside of that bag of tools? How, or how do you add more to that bag so you have a little bit more diversity to work with? What, what I think is, you know, I admire people that, you know, they do stuff that I, I don't do. But there is... There's one line, which is when you see that stuff and it's achievable. It's like, totally. I'm not doing that, but I could. I see how I they just did that. didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. And exactly, you see through, you're like, I know what you've done there. And it, I feel so bad because I haven't thought about that. It's like when you, uh, when you see like a magician perform and you suddenly understand how they did the trick. And you're like, well, duh. <laughs> Should I be a magician now? Yes. That's the th that doesn't make you a magician because when you try, you still use your bag of tricks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm. this is like my inner critique. Um, you know, seeing amazing, talented designers using the same tools that I use, but coming up with totally different results is like, uh, why? And, you know, and then you bring it back. It's like, is it because I always use the same grid? Should I just start changing small things through my process and that would lead me somewhere else? Um, I'm working on that. <laughs> How? Um, exactly by changing the the ground of it, right? So like changing your baseline. Maybe I've been using this 10 pixel baseline for too long. Let's go with eight pixels. You know, let's let's make sure. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> but let's make sure this top bar is not like a you know like a 10 pixels uh, type of number. So it's not gonna be like 10, 20, 30. Why don't we do 66? What's going to happen there? That's a, bold, that's a bold number. I know. <laughs> Would prefer 64, if you don't mind. Yeah, thanks. Please fix. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like you change things that are invisible to the user 
And you build up on that and trying to analyze like, oh, I know I always do this. Let's just try to do it a little bit different. But it's really hard. Like, it's extremely hard. Can we self-critique right now? Uh, sure. What do you feel like is your one area of weakness that you're trying to get better at? Hmm. Is there intrinsic value in changing? Is this change that will act, like specifically achieve something that is better? Or is it just change for change's sake? I think the hope is that you will uh, you will become better at your craft. Okay. Uh, Understand you, it more in some way? or You're going to be able to like a little bit, you know, stand higher and see not only what you can do, but all the potential possibilities. Change your perspective. Yeah. Not, not just change your perspective, but get all the perspectives. Got it. Hopefully. Um, yeah. So uh, self-critique. Um, many things. Um, I feel like... I need to improve at uh, translating layout, static layouts to motion. I feel like working with motion is not a matter of, you know, having a beautiful layout and then just moving it as you scroll. I feel like there's something about thinking about motion first and then translating that into a design. Um, and maybe my, my problem is that I, I really focus on the, the details, the execution of it, but on a really static way where then you see some of the website and it's, it's hard to explain through a JPEG. It's just the experience of it uh, you know, that conveys the design. That is something that I'm trying to improve through prototyping. Yeah, with Framer, I was going to say Framer is such an easy way to explore that. And there's at least some tangibility to the fact that it's just JavaScript. Like it's not out of reach, right? Like whatever right. you prototype in Framer, you could, yeah, with a little effort, put that on the web, right? I feel like that, and there's a big, you know, this whole like should designers, should designers dream, should designers <laughs> should they design or should they code? Like, you know, I don't think whenever someone is asking me, you know, like is going through this process of like I'm about to put a lot of energy into a prototyping tool. I want to make sure I choose the right one. Uh, should I learn Framer? Um, I only chose Framer because I knew again a little bit of like you know JavaScript, but I don't think it hurts. You know, and this is what I'm trying to tell people. is like, are you willing to spend two weeks on one and then maybe if you don't like it, change? Because learn to code is not about, you know, learning how to ship a website, you know, that is perfect and responsive and whatnot. It's just about learning the concepts of it. And then, you know, JavaScript or ActionScript or whatever, it's it's just the same. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, sorry, designers. That's a code. great answer. I think motion is probably one of the the main things I see a lot of people focusing on now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess you get now like the other side too, like we are doing motion because of motion. Yeah. It's some people have gone too far. Right? Yeah. And it's like, what's going on? Everything is moving or, and I think motion is something, I mean, it's, it's a psychological perception thing, right? So, um, and this is the way I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm really like, I guess, academic on this sense, but when you do motion, if everything moves at the same time, you're not directing the user attention towards anything because everything is like claiming for it. Um, think about design. If you make everything bold, nothing is bold. Um, so like I'm trying to think and trying to improve at creating motion, but in a way that it feels like a dance. You know, like you start thinking and seeing users like going through it and you know, putting their eyes on this, putting their eyes on that, and then, you know, translating their attention from one place to another. There's a choreography to it. There's a choreography to it. I agree. Um, 
I think that would be, yeah, that's definitely something that I'm trying to improve a lot. Um, let me think. Yeah, like layouts. I feel like I am really traditional in my layouts and I see some crazy layouts out there and I'm like, damn. Um, but I, I also think that the reason why I'm this traditional is because I always deal with um, sites that have, you know, a lot of content. So they cannot afford go through, you know, this beautiful white empty space for like 2000 pixels. They need to like put it up there. You know, that when you talk to like, again, like a, a newspaper or like a CNN or now um, I'm working with Lonely Planet on their .com. And again, yeah, you have to build the experience through negative space as well. But, you know, they need to put a lot of content in there and it needs to be accessible for not just designers, but, you know, the people who are actually going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Your uncle that doesn't know the internet. It's like, why am I scrolling and nothing is happening? Because it looks pretty. <laughs> because it looks, because of design. <laughs> because design, uncle. I really wanted to experiment with motion. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> We're actually well over time at this point. Let's go with, I think, two last questions. One, what keeps you up at night? I can't say your kid. That's not allowed. Yeah, that's a <laughs> cheat answer. No, I'm not going to say my kid. Um, I am I am a night person, so I go to bed really late every day um, because I'm working. And I think I'm addicted to work. And that is a little bit of a problem. Um, you know, I think it's really hard to keep a job. Mm-hmm. And this is something that... You know, it's you need to make sure you're so satisfied with your work then when you finish, you're totally like done for the day. Because if you go home and you still feel like you haven't done it just yet, you start working on this side things. And then suddenly it's like, oh shit, it's 2 a.m. and I'm still working on it. Um, so yeah, work keeps me up at night. But just because I like it, you know, like this is a yeah. conversation that I had with my wife many times. It's like when I used to freelance, I would be at home working and she will understand that I'm at home therefore I'm not working I'm just like browsing the internet and I would just say like I just happen to really like my work and sometimes my work is about checking Twitter but I'm this is what I do um so she knows that it's not only a job it's a it's a hobby a little bit too yeah um so yeah that a little bit and then anything you'd like to plug before we go (laughs) this is funny Obamacare. No, just kidding. Perfect. <laughs> you heard him. You made a really rad Photoshop template that you think everyone should continue using uh, for iPhones that have a screen <laughs> that have a wrapped screen. around the edges. <laughs> we could for sure plug that one from two years ago. From two, two years, years ago? ago. No, I'm no nothing really. Like, why, why would I plug? I'm not representing a company or anything. So, you know, if you guys are out there, just keep doing whatever you're doing. Uh, if you see me in a social event, come and say hi. Um, and that's it. That was an inspirational plug. Yeah? I think the first of its kind. What do people normally say? Uh, follow me on Twitter. Oh. Hit me up. Eh, follow me on Twitter if you want. Okay. At Claudio Guglieri. Gu- Guglieri? Yeah, can you proper pronunciation, please? All right. You want the Italian one or the Spanish one? The real one. Yes. So the real one you know what, what's real is it is it an Italian name it is an Italian name an Italian name so in Spain you would say Claudio Guglieri Guglieri I believe Italians will say Claudio Guglieri not Gugli okay. Guglieri right so you guys are closer to Italian Guglieri thank you thank you for coming on for coming thank on. you guys yes thanks for having me
That was episode 129. Thank you so much to Claudio for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you for listening. That was a really fun episode. I really enjoyed that one. Let us know what you thought. Seriously, hit us up. That was really fun to record. We hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, we're on Twitter at Design Details FM. We're always in our Slack room to join our Slack team. That's spec.fm slash Slack. And of course, if you are enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate that kind of feedback. Uh, we're getting really good comments in there, good critiques, some great feedback. And of course, every rating helps us move higher in the charts, helps new people like you and designers around the world find the show. And we appreciate that. Speaking of around the world, our sponsor this week is Bueno. And they are, I guess, everywhere in the Western Hemisphere. Like, it's kind of crazy. They're sponsoring because they want you to know they exist. They want you to check out their work at Wayno.co. If you've ever been on Dribble in your life, you've probably seen their work. And they're hiring. Morgan Allen Knudsen just posted some work up for them. And it looked super rad. So if you want to join that world, go to Wayno.co. Click the careers link in the header. Of course, tell them we sent you. And if you're in the Bay Area, come say hi on Fridays at their happy hours. We look forward to seeing you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.